So the third refuge is taking refuge in the Sangha. <clears throat> and uh, the Sangha means the community. The community of people who are practicing the teachings of the Buddha. So, again, there are several <clears throat> definitions or several meanings of the word Sangha in that sense. We could say that the 45 of us here were Sangha. We're all practicing together. We're in close proximity. And so we are a community of uh, Dharma practitioners. We are local Sangha. But we're part of a worldwide Sangha of people practicing all over the face of the earth practicing these teachings, just like we do. So we could say that we're part of a, kind of a worldwide sangha. <clears throat> and this sangha has been going on since the time of the Buddha. And that's like 2,500, 2,600 years. So this is a really huge community of humanity that we're taking refuge in. If this many people over this many centuries have found value and purpose and meaning in what we're doing, then it really helps our confidence. It really supports our faith, our aspiration, our confidence. You know, this is not something that was invented, you know, back in the 60s, you know, in California. This has been around a long time for millions and millions of people of great benefit. This can be a powerful support for us when we when we get you know stuck in our in our whinging and whining and difficulties with our own conditioning and you know we're frustrated and disappointed and struggling in one one way or another. <clears throat> we might think this is impossible. You know, it is for now, but it won't be forever. Anybody who's ever awoken has had to go through the same thing, looking at their mind. So whatever you whatever you experience, you can know, you can know with absolute certainty that millions of other people have experienced the same thing and kept going. Millions. No matter how bad it gets, no matter how painful, how scary, how confusing, how shameful, whatever, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Anybody who's ever woken has had to see and understand the same thing. That can give us a lot of support, a lot of confidence to say, you know what, if they can do it, I can do it. Right? That's what taking refuge in the Sangha, oh, taking refuge in the Sangha with meaning and purpose can support your practice. But also the Sangha is considered those who are ordained, monks and nuns who've been ordained since the time of the Buddha who've been primarily, the primary um, vehicle of getting these teachings here to us over the last 2,500 years. Because uh, there was no books originally. And uh, this is still a living tradition. It's not a dead uh, academic exercise. This has been a living tradition for 2,600 years. People every day practicing this, realizing this, understanding it to some degree, and passing it on. And this, this kind of um, teachings is mostly, as I said, been in the monasteries and the nunneries. Just out of, well, conditions, but to our good fortune, it's now available to Western householders like ourselves. 
That's rare, really rare. If you had wanted to get these teachings prior to you know, the mid-20th century, you mostly would have had to be in a monastery or a nunnery for life. And now these teachings are available on every, you know, half the magazines on the shelf at a grocery store. You know, you can pick them up and get some of these teachings. That's extraordinary. Yeah. So we have to we have the Sangha to thank for that, having that having this opportunity. And he had this element of a Sangha that's the other piece of the Sangha that's important to acknowledge is <clears throat> that the Buddha woke up, stopped suffering, and shared his teachings, his understanding with other people who heard practice, realized, and stopped suffering. There has been an unbroken lineage of people who have realized the teachings of the Buddha and stopped suffering for 2,600 years. They're the ones who've carried the depth of these teachings to us. Scholars can't do that. It's only when you realize it for yourself that you have that faith, you have that confidence, you have that subtlety of knowledge to carry it from generation to generation. So, you know, in this monastery where I was practicing in Burma, <clears throat> in the morning after the bell, uh, it's not a bell, it's actually a, a wooden log kind of suspended on string ropes being swung like this to pound against a hollowed out log that's hanging up. So it's a big thump, 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 and you can hear it for hundreds of yards. And that's what calls you to breakfast. So when this happens, you know, it's about 5.30, from, 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 then we can go to breakfast. But in December, every year at this monastery, there was a festival to celebrate the life of the monk, Mahasi Sayadaw, who started this meditation center for lay people. He's passed away. But they have a ceremony. And when they have this uh, celebration for four or five days, the senior, the elder monks and nuns from this tradition from all over Burma come to Rangoon, the monastery in Rangoon. And it's like a big uh, Dharma celebration. It's like a big homecoming. And it's just Dharma talks broadcast over the loudspeakers from 5.30 in the morning till 10.30 at night. Different teachers. Every hour, somebody else chanting and giving Dharma talks. And there's just a lot of high energy there. So when monks gather together in large numbers like that, when they do anything, they always do it according to their seniority. Meaning, the person who's been the monk the longest gets to go first. So, when the thump, thump, thump of the breakfast call sounds, and one of the monks who helps run the meditation center steps out into the roadway, going up the hill, around the woman's meditation and he says, 65 wasa. That means any monk who's been a monk for 65 years can go to breakfast. And you can only ordain when you're 20. That means they're 85, right? At least 85. And sometimes there'd be one monk, he'd come out of the shadows with his cane or two, and kind of walk up the hill, start up the hill to go to breakfast. And 64 wasa. 
and maybe another one, and 63, and so on down the line, so that the monks go in order of seniority. And when you get down to, you know, 35, well, so they're only 55 years old, you know, and so there'd be dozens at a time. There'd be four, five, six hundred monks. And uh, there'd be dozens just kind of all getting in line. And they'd get down to 20 wasa, and that's 40 years old, and there's lots. And they wouldn't let any monk less than 10 years come because they didn't have room for him in the monastery. <clears throat> Except me. I, I, was, I was only one monk, one, one wasa, or two. You know, and then they didn't even bother calling that. I would just, after they stopped calling, then I could go. <laughs> and I, I used to step out into the line and I'd see, I'd look up the hill and there's this long line of monks walking up the hill going around the corner out of sight into the dining room and I would think somewhere up at the head of the line is the Buddha and that line has been unbroken 2600 years That's what it means to take refuge in the Sangha. It's like, we're not alone here. We're just the current occupants of this space in the line. And just as sure as there are 2,600 years ahead of us, or behind us, there's going to be more coming to hear the teachings that we practice and realize and share. And that's all of you. Because there are untold numbers of <coughs> generations of kids, not yet born, that are going to want to hear these teachings. They're going to want to have the same opportunities to practice, just like us. And they're only going to have it if we do this practice. Right? That's the way it's been every generation, 2,600 years. So just as we take refuge in the Sangha that's come before us, we can rest assured that there are going to be those who take refuge in what we do here also. That's what it means to take refuge in the Sangha. We take refuge in ourselves, this group, all of them that are, all of us that are practicing now for 2,600 years in the past and those who are coming after us. So when we take these refuges in the Buddha and the Dharma and the Sangha each morning, you can see that it's not just mumbo-jumbo foreign language. It's like, wow, this is an aspiration, an articulation of our aspiration to really uh, make best use of the opportunity that we have. <clears throat> so I hope that as we take refuge in the the refuges at the beginning of each day's practice that we can have some of these reflections to help support your practice.